0: When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today it's Trinity Sunday, which means we're going to dive into the mystery of the Trinity. I hope you're up for mystery. I hope you're open to mystery in life. I'm glad you're here. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. When I was a young seminarian, I would sometimes fly standby from Dallas to Pennsylvania or wherever I was going because I lived with a family who uh, worked for Southwest Airlines and they would sometimes give me standby vouchers and it was very wonderful to be able to fly for free. I only got kicked off a couple flights um, and he'd usually get to where I was going most of the time. I was thankful for that and one time I was doing that and so you kind of like come in at the last minute when you're flying standby and you like have to get the very last seat and it's usually pretty awkward you're like in the middle row and I was just a little college student at the time, so it was pretty easy for me to just to like you know adjust. And people saw that I was young, I guess, and <laughs> it was made sense that I was doing that. And I, there I was um, sitting next to somebody once, and I happened to have some books. Of course, being seen with the right book is really important in life. I was I was there reading a book from seminary, and. The woman I was sitting next to asked me, you know, That's a, what's that book about? And I explained it was about the Trinity. And she said, you know, I've never in all my life understood the Trinity. Like, what is the point? Like, I hear about it, and I've heard about it in church, and all these other things. And what is the point of the Trinity? Like, what's the big deal? And it wasn't a very long flight. I forget where we were going. But I knew I didn't have much time, and I knew that I wasn't maybe the best spokesman in the world for the Trinity, a new seminarian, had one or two classes about the Trinity at that point. Um, but uh, I had been learning in class from Dr. John Frankie, who is a noted Trinitarian scholar and thankful for him. Dr. John, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm thankful for teaching me this. Not sure if any of my professors tune in, but if they do, they're always welcome to uh, offer some feedback, correction, advice. Always welcome to that. But you know, I jumped right in because I realized, like, if we're going to make the Trinity useful, however we mean that word, for people in their actual everyday airplane flying lives, um, we don't have to be so. We shouldn't be so worried about getting it wrong, and saying something that might be heresy. The fear of heresy in Trinitarian discussions is really a moot point. It's foolish. You can't really commit heresy with the Trinity. Um, none of us are representing the entire Christian church and. Certainly if we affirm the the creeds and say them and things. The other stuff we say about the Trinity is our our questions and our exploration of that. And living in fear of heresy and saying the wrong thing about the Trinity, I think is um, not the way God wants us to live. I think we'd better to be bold and say what we think about God um, as we worship God and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But anyway, on this plane, I thought of that first point. Uh, that I had learned in my theology class, that the Trinity is ultimately relational. And that is something I had learned in class, different models of the Trinity, like how they all relate to each other, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I had been learning in class that, that the relational model of the Trinity is the mystery of the Trinity, and it is what holds it together, and it is what holds us together as people. That... The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in a timeless, eternal relationship of love. Love that is mutual, love that swirls around, freely exchanged, love that knows no limit, and love that includes other things in it, other people, other entities, for sure. The creative love of God flows from the Trinity, and we see that in the first chapters of Genesis. Let us make man in our image. In whose image? Our image? The plurality of God is is not just a plurality of majesty, which it is, certainly. It is a plurality of persons. Person, persona, face. This is all part of that mystery of the Trinity that unfolds in relationship. And isn't it true, well, you don't have to agree with me, I think it's true, that the more you get to know someone, the more you get to know all their relationships. My closest friends, I know a lot about their relationships with other people, at their work, at their life, because that's what we ultimately discuss uh, to to, to a large degree. Um, Even our relationships with books and movies is a relationship. So the more you get to know one person the more you get to know a lot of other people, too, through them. And ultimately, this relationship of love is the ultimate model for relationships ever given in all of the world for humans. And yet, it, it is not the model that is held up by popular culture or even by church culture. The popular culture relational metaphor is a husband and wife, And certainly in different churches, that relationship is emphasized more or less as the ideal that you should aspire to. But ultimately, the ultimate picture, ultimately ultimate, I'm saying it too much, picture of love is the Trinity. It is a group. It is two or three gathered together in my name. It is this plurality of persons that are swirling in love. And the love holds them together and the love reaches out. And pulls us into it. And so the closer we get to love, the closer we get to God, the more we are absorbed into that dance of love. And so the Trinity ultimately speaks to our relationship with God, God's relationship to God's self, and our relationship with other people. And that is why God is in Trinity. And that's something that you can can use actually practically in life. Um, When you're making decisions... What is the best thing relationally? What will bring you closer into that Trinitarian dance of God's love? What will be in, help you be in that being more than anything? How will this decision, which decision will help you get closer to that relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? That is always a good question to ask. And it will affect our economic life. It will affect our work life. It will affect our relational life. It will affect every part of our lives because ultimately that is our absorption into God. Union with God. And we find union with God in each relationship with each person. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus certainly modeled this for in his earthly life when he prayed to his Father, our Father, who art in heaven. So we pray to the Father through the ministrations of Jesus Christ, confessing our faith that he died and rose from the dead. And then his spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives inside us and teaches us everything we need to know. Everything we need to know. Everything that we need to see and feel and do. The spirit blows that wind through us and we feel it and we go with it. It's not us. It's the spirit flowing through us. And in that Trinitarian love, each relationship with each person of the Trinity is a little different, yet it all is our absorption into God. A fun exercise to do for Christians is to pray to a different member of the Trinity and see how that works. There's a different relationship with each person of the Trinity, and yet it is all directed towards this absorption into the one God who loves us. The question of the Trinity is the ultimate question of life, the one and the many. Am I an individual? Am I one? Yes, I am. I remember, you know, kids around two, three, four suddenly realize the ego, that they are a person, that they exist in a distinct pattern from other people. And the rest of their life, we're trying to figure out, or we are trying to figure out the rest of our lives, how we are different from other people, how we make our own decisions, how we make our own choices, how we decide what we're going to do, how we, the things we like and don't like, and all those things are, take a long time to shuffle out. Which is it? Is it our friends, peers, parents, culture telling us that we like something when we really don't? And sorting that out, who I am, the one, um, is a huge part of our development. And the more communally we're brought up or what we live in, the harder that is to do. Um, it takes a lot of work. And ultimately, God wants us to be one, to be ourselves. And then there's the many, the one and the many. I'm getting all Star Trekky here. The many is how we fit in to this thing called community in the world, in our lives, in our cities, in our churches, and wherever we are. Um, how we fit in, how we need to compromise and listen and be patient and All those things that make communal life work, that is the love of the Trinity. God is one, and God is three in one. Um, The one and the many is answered by the Trinitarian God. So we are also in that same sort of one and the many question, answering it all the time in our lives. And God is the same. We are made in the image of God. And I think part of the image of God is the one and the many And ultimately, if that's true about us, it's true about everybody. And so our love for other people and the dignity with which we uphold them comes from our understanding of God, that we are all made in God's image. Whose image is on the person? Whose image is on the coin? Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. And so, my friends, today, I invite you to do that whatever you're facing whatever you're looking at open yourself up to being absorbed into the trinity in that love and seeing that every relationship you have is an opportunity to have that relationship filled with that trinitarian love of god that is not greedy or needy in the in the way it's in the way that it sucks the life out of another member of the trinity there is tension in the the relational life of the Trinity. I think we see that in the crucifixion and the earthly ministry of Jesus. We see it in the fact that Jesus advocates for us with the Father, and the Holy Spirit comes alongside us to encourage us. The Trinitarian love is not just a humming machine. It is relational. It has ebbs and flows, and all the other swirlings around. But it is not. Um, it is not in any way exploitative. Love cannot be that. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear, and that love flows from God. And there is a never-ending well of love in the Trinity. It it is a never-ending well. And we get to fall into that well, fall into that grace all the time. And it is only our inability to, to plunge in that keeps us from experiencing it. So I invite you today to fall into grace. That's a line from John Newton's book, Falling into Grace. And experience that deep well of God's love in the Trinity. Because you are part of it. We are part of it. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given to us your servant's grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and the power of your divine majesty to worship the unity. Keep us steadfast in the faith and worship and bring us at last to see you in your one and eternal glory. O Father, who with the Son and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God forever and ever. Amen.